Hey everyone, welcome back to the Who's Judging Podcast. I'm Connor. It's just me again. Hopefully we'll have Tristan back at some point, probably next episode. Today we're going to be going over whether extreme activism helps or hurts the cause. In this case, veganism and animal rights. The main organization we're going to be going over is PETA, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals. They're the biggest one in the world for animal rights. Personally, I think PETA style is a vegan's dream. This is how most vegans feel, and it's frustrating having to internalize it most of the time, in my opinion. These ads and campaigns are designed to challenge people's morals and their cognitive dissonance, which we'll be going over in a a future episode of the podcast. The question is whether or not most people like their morals challenged, and I don't think a lot of people do. Brings up another question that's whether a vegan's dream campaign style is the best for the cause. Sometimes what people want to do isn't always the most effective thing to do. We need to change people's beliefs, and harsh comparisons might not be the way to do that. But, on the contrary, it definitely attracts attention for the cause. There's no doubt about that. PETA trends every time they post something, whether it's smart or stupid. They trend every time, and they're, they're raking in millions of dollars of donations. They are a nonprofit, but they're raking in millions. I mean, last year... million of revenue, although the majority of that, I think 68 million of it was donations. So it does help the cause in that sense, at least. Um, But it also turns people away from the cause due to the extremeness of their campaigns. I mean, they've compared what's happening to the animals to the Holocaust, which true or not, I'm not going to make that statement. Um, It's offensive to anyone who knows someone that was part of the Holocaust, someone that was part of the Holocaust. It's an unnecessary comparison, whether you think it's true or not. Um, And so building on the turning people away, Barry Glasner, he's a sociologist and author of The Culture of Fear. He cautions, while fear-mongering is effective, it's dangerous. It's an unfortunate reality, but fear sells. It's the quickest way to grab someone's attention and have them listen. And any organizations whose mission is to heal the world shouldn't use it. So, I mean, can't can't say he's wrong there. PETA's mission is to heal the world. It's to push rights onto animals. Let them have rights as well. Let everyone live their life. That's the healing of the earth. But they're using fear to do it. It's kind of contrary to their mission. So, I see that. And as a vegan, I do see and understand the need for graphic photos of animals and the slaughter industry, but the photos are very sad and potentially traumatizing for people, definitely for me, because what you do is you see it and then you connect like, hey, that steak on my plate was an animal, was a living, breathing thing that had a family. And we'll get further into that in the cognitive dissonance episode, Um, but It's as vegan social media influencer Nzinga Young, hopefully I said her name right, was especially turned off by gory images of slaughtered animals, which she called traumatizing. She aims to share upbeat content with her over 100,000 followers. And that's what I think we need is, is a combination of both. People need to see the graphic images, need to see the process of making their food and make that connection, but also upbeat. We don't want our community to just be pushing fear and pushing guilt and pushing these images onto people because I don't even want to see those images. I've seen them. They're part of what helped me make the transition and make that choice. So I know they're important, but even I don't want to see them. They're sad. 
the question, another question for me is whether all the attention that Peter brings in, whether how much of it is positive and how much of it is a mockery of veganism. I mean, they get trolled. They post their stupid things. They posted something about baseball saying that we shouldn't call it a the bullpen for the relief pitchers. That should be called a arm barn, I think. And, you know, I'm a former baseball player. That's stupid. Like, calling it a bullpen isn't hurting anybody. They're also saying like, they've said like not to use animals as like insults. Like don't call someone a chicken when they're being a coward, just call them a coward. Like it's a known phrase. It's a phrase that doesn't hurt anybody. People don't hear, Oh, you're a chicken. And then think of the animal. I mean, they kind of do, but it's not hurting the animal. And so, as I said, in 2021, they brought in 72.6 million of revenue. They're nonprofit. So they're not profiting off of it, but it's a lot of revenue, especially for an animal rights organization. And this is how they allocated that revenue. $12.5 million for international grassroots campaigns. $16 million for public outreach and education. $16, no, $19.6 million for research and investigations and rescues. Half a million for cruelty-free merch programs. $9.5 million for membership development and 0.7 million for management in general. And for those who aren't aware of some of PETA's campaigns, I can give a few examples on top of the ones I just gave. Some of their worst ones were they posted a photo of a woman wearing a leather jacket made of human eyes and mouths. Obviously photoshopped, it wasn't, they didn't actually make the jacket. They had another post where they compared actually an ad where they compared rape victims to cows who are forcibly artificially inseminated, which is actually factually correct. It's a, it's, it's a factual comparison. They're both being raped. It's rape and rape. But again, going back to what I said about the Holocaust one, it's just an unnecessary comparison. You don't have to make a comparison. You can help people make the connection without comparing it to a human traumatizing event, in my opinion. And then the last one, um, they put up a billboard of an overweight woman with the caption, save the whales, lose the blubber, go vegetarian. Kind of funny, very fucked up. Doesn't help the cause. It turns away anyone. Now they look fat phobic. They look, I mean, it's just insulting, first of all. And honestly, going vegetarian doesn't make you lose weight. It's all about how many calories you bring in at the end of the day. Healthier foods, probably, but it still depends on how much of the healthier foods you eat. You eat more calories than you burn, you're going to gain weight. And most of the time, people aren't going vegetarian to lose weight. They're going vegetarian for animals, for their health overall, not just weight, or for the earth. So I don't like the comparison of weight and vegetarian or veganism either way. And on top of offensive and boundary-pushing ad campaigns, they've also come across other controversies as well. PETA employees have euthanized 29,426 animals between 2002 and 2013, including those the organization has said are perfect, healthy, and adorable. Part of this goes to their stance on pets. They don't believe that people should have pets, that animals should be pets, because I don't know, probably compare it to slavery. They think it's slavery. I don't agree with that. And some of their actions kind of go with if they're taking action on their stance rather than just pushing their stance. 
On top of that, uh, data collected by Virginia's state government shows that PETA's euthanasia rates for cats and dogs at the shelter is exceptionally higher than other shelters in the state. In 2019, 2,421 dogs and cats were received at PETA's Norfolk shelter. That's where they're um, headquartered. 1,578 of them were euthanized, according to the most recent report from Virginia Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. That's over a 65% euthanasia rate. And here's the big number. From 1998 to 2019, the largest span that anyone has the data on, they euthanized 41,539 of the 49,737 dogs and cats they brought in, marking an 83.5% euthanasia rate. 83.5. That That's a crazy rate. So 83, if you want to round up for this, 84 of every 100 dogs and cats that they rescued, they killed. How much help are they doing? 84%. On top of this, PETA also advocates against Pitbull's lives. The organization named People for Ethical Treatment of Animals. Ethical treatment not only euthanizes most of the animals they bring in, they also advocate against Pitbull's leaving. Their president and CEO said, those who argue against the euthanasia policy for pit bulls are naive. They wrote an article a few years ago, the idea that pit bulls are inherently aggressive and dangerous has been disproven by science several times. The PETA stance is not only non-scientific, but it is inhumane. As exemplified by the official ASPCA stance on pit bulls, all dogs, including pit bulls, are individuals, treating them as such providing them with the care, training, and supervision they require, and judging them by their actions and not by their DNA or by their physical appearance is the best way to ensure that dogs and people can continue to share safe and happy lives together. And while there is a larger philosophical discussion to be made here, PETA employees have taken their case to an inhumane level. And so it goes back to what I was saying about PETA's stance on not believing in pets. And so I I believe a lot of their actions are going straight towards that. They euthanize 84% of the the dogs and cats they bring in. They advocate against pit bulls breathing and living. And on top of that, PETA employees have taken that case to an inhumane level. On at least two instances, PETA workers have been arrested for stealing other people's pets. The organization never really explained what happened in 2014 when two employees snatched a dog from someone's porch and they euthanized it after just two hours. After months of silence, PETA finally claimed that the animal had been confused with another one, but no satisfying explanation was offered. During the trial with Maya's family, Maya was the chihuahua they euthanized, PETA issued and lost a motion stating that Maya's life was worthless. PETA's administrators were forced to turn over records and testify under oath about their inner workings, particularly their campaign of animal extermination. PETA settled the case by paying Maya's family 49 grand. And so we've been going over a lot of PETA's controversies and why PETA's bad, but we can't discredit them completely, and I'm not going to sit here and do it. They've done a lot of work on animals' rights, and they've had a lot of big successes. 
let me just let's just go over some of their success. In the 80s, PETA exposed and shut down the U.S. Army's plan to shoot dogs at an indoor firing range, leading the military to ban the use of dogs, cats, and primates in wound experiments and training altogether. In the 90s, after PETA exposed the backstage beating of orangutans by Las Vegas entertainer Bobby Barrosini, in this case, I don't care if I pronounce his name right because he's a douchebag, his wildlife permit was suspended and his show was closed. Nielsen Farms Puppy Mill in Kansas was shut down and permanently disqualified from being licensed after PETA's investigation of the facility revealed rampant sickness, abuse, and death. Next, PETA's campaign campaigns have prompted fur-free assurances from more than 900 companies, including Calvin Klein, which became the first major designer to stop using fur after PETA invaded its office and Ralph Lauren, which pulled fur from their store shelves and donated its fur items to refugees in Mongolia at the time. In the 2000s, up to 800,000 animals were saved after PETA persuaded chemical companies and the U.S. EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, to drop plants to kill them in painful chemical tests. More than 26,000 animals were rescued from an exotic animal dealer following a PETA investigation. It was the largest animal seizure in history at the time. After that, H&M became the first retailer to ban exotic skins from its stores worldwide after receiving PETA's video expose, which revealed extreme suffering in the exotic animal skins trade. This paved the way for unincorporated Puma, L Brands, Adidas, Overstock.com, Nike, Cole Haan, Arcadia Group, Adolfo Dominguez, and Mango Mango to ban the sale of exotic skins as well. On top of that, as many as 4.5 million animals were spared from chemical tests in a massive European Union testing program after PETA provided documentation of duplicative testing. This may be the largest victory for animals that has ever occurred. And so see, these are huge victories from PETA, and this goes back to their investigations that they go on. And that's what I want to say, let's just go back to the numbers. 19.6 of their 72 million in revenue went to. So a little under a third, but a decent chunk of the money goes to that. Their big wins this year include getting Target and Dollar Tree to ban glue traps. They also got Los Angeles Worldwide Airports, which runs LAX, one of the bigger airports in the USA, to ban the use of them as well. On top of that, they also convinced Dolce and Gabbana and Montclair to go fur free. So they're still to this day working really hard on getting companies to drop fur, which obviously is very bad for animals, and from the glue traps. And The whole thing with the glue traps is the animals get stuck in the glue and they suffer for days before they die. They're suffering for days. That is torture. That is not anywhere near humane if you even want to believe there's a humane way to kill something, which I don't. So as you can see, PETA has definitely stirred up controversy very often as well, but they also have arguably done more for animal rights than any other individual or group in history. That's what I think the biggest problem with their campaign campaigning is, though, is that it causes people to overlook 
these successes. It gets them to take them as extremists or even a joke. Those people that just see their arm barn instead of bullpen post, they never look into what they actually do with the money. They don't look into their successes. They see that and they go, this group is stupid. And maybe maybe that's what they want. Maybe they post those just to get engagement, just to get people to look at them. But in my opinion, if it creates a mockery or gets people to just make fun of you, I don't think it's worth it. And as I said earlier, I think a balance is needed. There's a balance, extreme activism like PETA and passive activism and positive posting like Nzinga Young. Again, hopefully I said that right. And I, I think balance is what the movement needs. Maybe graphic attention grabbing campaigns and upbeat vegan content are both needed. Maybe they both serve their purpose differently, but they still work for the same cause and they still want the same thing at the end of the day. And maybe one of them has to be the good cop and one of them has to be the bad cop. Maybe that's how it has to be. And just my opinion on PETA, I believe PETA is a very hypocritical organization that ends the lives of too many animals with their own hands. To advocate for the death of an entire breed of dog is inexcusable, but this is secondary to the main topic of the episode. So to answer the question, does extreme activism help or hurt the cause? In my opinion, it does both. It is hard to argue that any organization bringing in $72 million for a cause each year isn't helping the cause, and PETA's history of success only adds to that. But at the same time, how much does their fear-mongering ad style deter people from the cause? It also grabs the attention from other smaller organizations who aren't using fear or guilt as their primary grabber. But then does all of the free advertising from the aftermath of the campaigns from the mainstream media help the cause? Most likely. It should lead to donations and if nothing else, more eyes on the cause, more people looking into it. The free advertising from the media is probably more beneficial to the cause than PETA's original campaign because they explain the cause while also denouncing some of PETA's tactics and comparisons, which likely resonates with more viewers than PETA's did. So I've provided a lot of facts. I've provided you my opinion on the facts and on PETA. And now what I'm looking for you guys to do is just take the facts and take my opinion and form your own opinion on the matter. Do you think PETA is helpful or do you think PETA is harmful? And people and other activist groups like PETA, do you think their style is helpful or hurtful to the animal rights cause? That's all I want. I, I want to educate you guys a little bit and push you guys to educate yourself further. And I don't want to mold. I don't want to groom you guys. I just want to educate you and so you can form your own thoughts and your own opinion because that's how it should be. Just remember, who's judging? Not me.